Hi there. Thanks for joining us today. We're really glad that you joined us to worship and take in this experience with us together. Whether you're joining us on Sunday morning or another time during your week, uh, it's good to have an opportunity to connect around the same uh, God, the same worship songs that sing together, and the same scriptures, verses that we're reading and, and studying today. And we're continuing on to look at Jesus's teachings on the Beatitudes, and we've called the series The Good and Beautiful Life. What's the good life? What's the actually true good life, the best life we can live. And uh, we really believe that Jesus taught how to live the good life. There's lots of other uh, narratives about what the good life is, but we're looking to Jesus, the author of life, uh, the creator, uh, God, to tell us what is the good life. And uh, Jesus said that uh, the poor in spirit are the blessed ones, the, the meek, those who mourn. And he's laying out all of these um, sort of unexpected ways that we can live the blessed life. Today we're looking at the pure in heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I wonder if you've ever had the question or concern go through your mind, wondering, how do people see me? See me? How, how are, am I being perceived by those around me? Uh, I remember feeling this a lot in, in, as a teenager. Um, what's, what, what do people think about me? And uh, that, can, that can track us into adulthood as well, wondering um, what people think of us. And I remember one moment this really became uh, clear to me that I was really worried about how people saw me. And uh, I was hanging out with some friends, and um, somebody had a skateboard there. And I had been into skateboarding at one point, and I hadn't been for a little while, but I picked up the skateboard, and I started messing around on it. And this friend of mine, she, she looks at me kind of like I had two heads and said, What? you're not a skateboarder. And <laughs> just that little comment really bothered me for like several days because I thought, well, yeah, I'm into skateboarding. People know that. People think that about me. And as a teenager, that, that really bothered me. That I was like, why is this bothering so bad? I, I'm like, I must be really worried about what people think about me. The image that I'm projecting, the persona I have, uh, sort of how I fit in and what people think about me. And, you know, we can t tell what's become sort of a, uh, an idol maybe in our life by what kind of strong emotional reactions we have. And I had a really strong emotional reaction going, oh, I thought people looked at me this way. And I realized, yeah, I think I've been worrying too much about how people see me. And uh, Jesus was, was talking to people about not worrying about so much what happens on the outside, but what happens on the inside. Not so much about exterior appearances, but internal realities when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so instead of asking, how do people see me? Today we want to ask, how can I see God? So let's pray and uh, we'll, we'll look a bit further into this. Lord, we thank you that you free us from anxiety over how people see us. You can free us from playing games of appearances and personas. And you call us to be real. You call us to be known by you in all that we are and to know you for all that you are. And that this is really true life in a deep, true way. Not in a put on or false way, but in a, in a deep and true way that we can know you and be known by you and see you. So Lord, I pray that you would Speak to our hearts uh, about our own hearts and uh, our relationship to you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.
Well, at the heart of Israel's identity was the singular worship of God, of Yahweh. The singular focused um, monotheistic, meaning one, one God, the worship of one God, was, was very crucial to the identity of the people of Israel. Uh, the, the core marker of their identity was this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. This was sort of like the, the, the pinnacle marker of the unique identity of Israel. Hear, O Israel, come, the Lord our God is one, and love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, among the nations who worshipped uh, a multitude of gods, uh, Israel was called to worship the one true God, the Creator. And this really set them apart from the rest of the nations. And, and uh, as we read through the, the history of Israel's beginnings as a, as a people, they were called to this um, singular devotion. Uh, out of Egypt, where there are many gods, out of the surrounding nations of Canaan, where they worshipped many false gods, Israel was to worship the one true God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And that as they um, succeeded in, in this faithfulness to God, they would be blessed. And, and if they would fall into uh, idolatry or worshiping other false gods, that they would be uh, experience the consequences of, of the land being taken from them. And there would be these curses and judgment um, for worshiping other gods. And so they were exiled from the land of, of Israel into Babylon, and there was this disruption in their relationship to God. And the temple was destroyed, and and uh, we know the history. And and this sense of exile perpetuated even beyond the Babylonian exile into the time of Jesus, where the Romans were occupying Israel. And the people still felt like they were experiencing the curses of idolatry, the curses of sin. They were still feeling like they were in exile. And so this group of religious people emerged, and we know them as the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees are the bad guys in uh, the Gospels most of the time. And they were emphasizing cleanness, ritual cleanness. You know, they, they were become the watchdogs uh, for, for everyone, saying, if we keep the rules, if we can maintain our, our, our exterior ritual cleanness before God, then, then he'll deliver us from our enemies, Messiah will come, and we can sort of usher in uh, the new promised kingdom of God that was promised to our forefathers. And, and so the Pharisees, they were, they were ultimately just focused on, on being clean. And, and being ritually clean meant you could go to the temple. And that was at the forefront of their minds, always being clean and ready to go to the temple. And this sort of created a two-tiered system or two-tiered society where the, the religious um, vocational people could sort of focus on that. But if you worked with animals or you were a farmer or a fisherman or worked with leather, you were always coming into contact with, with dead animals. And, and, and just the daily life of most people meant that they were often considered unclean. And so that meant they had to um, go through the um, process of waiting until evening to become ritually clean again so that they could go to temple the next day or, or whatnot. What and so for ordinary common folk, um, they were sort of second-class citizens, and um, often the Pharisees were, were a bit harsh on people who were 
perpetually unclean. Uh, and calling, you know, if you were a sinner, you were those who were kind of ruining it for the rest of us. So this religious system um, basically said, blessed are the ritually pure, for they will go to temple. But here we see Jesus is saying to the crowds, the multitudes, not to the religious folks or the political folks, but just to the common folks and his disciples, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So he's flipping the script a bit here, saying it's not about your exterior state as much as it is about your interior state. If you want to know God, if you want to be connected to God, you don't have to depend on the ritual, temple, rehearsals, and rituals. He said, you can see and know God just based on your honest pursuit of me, based on the singular devotion you have to me. And, and we see in this that we, we can't manipulate God by our external actions. We can't, you know, God doesn't, isn't susceptible to our manipulation by, if I do this, then God will do that. But we can have communion with God by honestly seeking him through Jesus. And so Jesus is, he's, he's preaching a good news message to this crowd who, who probably felt like this heavy burden of always having to, to clean up, of always having to, to do these external things, uh, even if just regular bodily functions <laughs> would keep you from, from going to temple. But Jesus says, you're blessed by the purity of your heart, by the inner reality of your life, because you can see God. And so he blew open the doors in a, in a really profound way for these folks. You know, Jesus, uh, in doing so, would reveal the, the hypocrisy of these religious Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. And, and that Greek word for hypocrite basically means like an actor, someone who puts on an act. And, he, and he, he's, really, he's really strong with them. In Matthew chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow, what a, what a scathing indictment of, of these people. He's saying, you clean up really good. You, you look like you're very holy. You look like you're fitting the part. But inside, it's dead. Inside, it's dirty. He's like, you need to, to clean up the inside. You don't need to be so worried about the outside. And he, he, he teaches his disciples further along in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount about avoiding putting on these appearances. When he talks about prayer, he says, you, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray on street corners in order to be seen by men. Rather, when you pray, go to your room and shut the door, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or when you're fasting, don't look, don't look downcast and somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show everyone around them that they're, they're fasting. Uh, when you're giving to the poor, he says, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and, and on the streets to be honored by men. Rather, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In, in essence, he's saying, let the interior reality of your, of your life be emphasized as opposed to what other people see you do. Putting on these appearances, making sure that the exterior works for for you and, and neglecting the interior reality of your life. This is really subtle, 
This can happen to us very easily. Um, we live in a in an image saturated culture. We live in a image management kind of world. We all worry about this in some way or, or shape. We all want to appear um, well, and and uh, there's nothing really wrong with that. We it matters what people think of us to some level, but it's not ultimate. You know. Um, we want to project a good image uh, online. Uh, we want to project a good image to our friends. We want people to think well of us. Um, but Jesus warns us that if our pursuit of looking well before others supersedes the reality of who we actually are, then we're walking into dangerous territory. And so we need to be concerned more about what's happening really inside of our lives, of our hearts, the things that only God sees more than what other people see and perceive of us. Jesus is encouraging his disciples and the multitudes. Appearances are not what God desires. You have access to God, not by exterior appearances, but by the sincerity of your search for God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those with a singular devotion to God, for they will see God. There are all kinds of benefits and privileges to being thought well of. Um, you get invited to certain social scenarios or as in, 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 in ministry circumstances, you, if, if people think well of you to a certain level, you get invited to, to speak at this event or lead worship at this event. Or if you're uh, in a business position, if people think well of you, there's promotion. There's, and this can cause us to compromise, can't it? This can cause us to sacrifice our integrity for what people think about us. In business, this can happen. Uh, in, in every sphere of our lives, this can happen. And we need to be on guard that we don't sacrifice the interior reality of our hearts for what benefits we might receive if people think a certain thing about us that isn't true. You know, the good life isn't found in people thinking well of us. The good life isn't found in being famous or having a great reputation if it's not true. The good life is in God giving us his approval, saying, I see your heart. I know you. And in, in, in the purity of our hearts, the promise is that we will know God, that we will have eyes to see him because of our uh, unclouded vision. Sin can cloud our vision, putting on false appearances. When we embrace what's false, our, our, our spiritual vision gets clouded. And so the purity of our heart can help us to see God. Our hearts get easily entangled. Um, you know, there is all kinds of ways that our, our hearts can, can get drawn to other false gods. And I remember being in, in uh, I think it was a Bible college student, and I remember having this moment of clarity when I went to the, to the mall one time. And I remember thinking, oh, this is like a really big temple. And I was in Bible college, so everything I was learning was about worship and idolatry and all these, these types of things. I was really immersed in that world of theology and stuff. But I, I had this moment of clarity when I, the mall is like a big temple. We go, there are images of uh, the good life projected all around us. Uh, we, we bring our offering of money. And uh, the promise is if we worship there with our money, that uh, this vision of the good life, of what people think of you because you have the clothes you have or these items that you've purchased or bought, enhanced yourself with, um, 
the, the promise is that you'll have the good life if you can put on these, these, these things. And, and I remember going, oh, this, this really, that's really true. That all around us are these worlds of, of alternate promises, alternate gods. And um, the story of King David is a, is a really powerful one where he sees this woman bathing on the, on the roof and he he's, buys into the lie that if I could have that woman... I'd have the good life. I, I would really have what I need. And so and the story goes, he, she's married. And so he secretly sends for her and, and, and sleeps with her and she gets pregnant. Well, now he's got to cover his tracks. So he calls her husband back from the front lines of war, trying to get him to spend some time with his wife so that the baby will be thought that it's the, the, her husband's, but he won't because he's, he's an honorable man. He, he won't do that while his partners are out fighting. He says, I'm not going to go into my wife. And, and so David has says, well, I got to cover up my tracks. And so he has him killed. He has Uriah killed. And, and so there's this horrible story of, of deceit and adultery and murder. And David is confronted with his sin. And in Psalm chapter 51, we see this amazing cry of repentance after his sins of adultery and murder. And in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And he says this really profound thing. He says, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He wanted a singularity of heart. He, he saw that his heart had been drawn away, entangled by these false promises and, and this can be us. We, we often, are, our hearts are often drawn away and entangled by these, these idols, these false gods that are promising us the good life, are promising us something that they, they can never give us. Idols promise things they can't give at a cost we can't afford. But the promise we have is, is a new heart. This is the good news. This is the answer to David's cry. It's creating me a new heart. Give me a clean spirit. In Ezekiel, the prophet's predicting the coming of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In Christ, we are new creations. Jesus, Jesus said that if you come to me, if you believe in me, I will make you new. John chapter 3, verse 3, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about in Christ, we are new creations. All things are made new in him. The old is gone, the new has come. You know, with this battle within our hearts that we have for to, to want to be a, to have the benefits of what people think of us and, and to put on appearances and image and to worship these these false gods who will give us things that that they can't give us. God heals us from that in Jesus. We don't have to play those games of putting on images. We don't have to play those games of putting on appearances. We can be healed of that in Jesus. We don't have to seek alternative gods. We can, we can know the one true God and be known by him. We can have the good life in, in, in that simplicity without the complexity of all the external stuff. This is the good news of, of Jesus for us today. The blessing and the good life come from a life of singular devotion to him. 
with our main emphasis on what's really going on in me and God without the trappings of what other people are thinking or what image I'm projecting. God desires our singular devotion to him. He, He calls us to love the Lord your God with all your heart. He wants us, not an image of us. He wants us. The internal reality is more important than external appearances to God. King David said, you desire truth in the inmost place. God can see us through and through anyway. We need to be truthful before God with where we're at, coming to him in confession, honestly, not trying to fake it. And, and Jesus gives us a new heart. In Christ, there is a new creation. So I wonder if there's those of us today who, who have been too concerned about what people think of them, who have been fighting through the battle of, of trying to cover yourself with um, appearance, with persona. Maybe it's a, a way to hide from insecurity. Maybe it's shame that causes us to do this. We don't have to hide. We, we can come to Jesus. We can come to the good shepherd. We can come to him and say, Lord, here I am in all of my imperfection. Here I am in all of my sin. Would you create in me a clean heart? Would you give me a new spirit? Would you restore the joy of salvation in you today? Maybe today's a good day for that. Would you let me pray for you? Lord, we confess that at times we turn away from you and we try to cover ourselves with external actions, images that might guard us from what people would think of us, might guard us from our shame over our sin, would insulate us from the reality of, of what's going on. Lord, would you heal us today? from any duplicity in our heart? Would you restore to us a clean, a new heart? Today, would you burn away the dross of our sin by the refining fire of your love? Would you heal and restore our hearts today, God, as we turn to you, come to you? We want to see you, God. We seek after you. So we ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to join in a, a song of response, and I'll return with a concluding comment. There is a theme in scripture about the refinement that comes through fire, the refinement that comes through trials and testing. And often our hearts need this. They need to be refined. They need to have the chaff burned away or the dross burned away like refiners fire on gold and silver to make them pure. Our hearts accumulate, build up when we sin, when we focus on exteriors rather than our interior reality in God. And we need times to, to be purified. And, and it can happen through trials and suffering. And it can happen when we really seek the face of God to, to open up the, the doors and windows of our heart to him in a concentrated way, in a focused way, and seek him. 
I encourage you to do that this week, to take time to seek God's face, to open up the doors and windows of your heart and say, God, burn away the dross. Reveal to me where I've been uh, embracing falsehoods or untruth and, and show me the truth that's found in you. He loves you and he's with you. We want to conclude with our benediction for this, this week from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. Have a good week.